This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. And welcome to the podcast today. And boy, do we have an interesting story. Throughout the years, I've been sharing transformational stories for people who've changed their diet, their exercise. Uh, their supplementation and stress levels, and for people who have used medications to bring inflammation under control. And we have heard so many different ways in which we can reduce inflammation. But today I've got a guest who's going to introduce us to a whole new way of addressing rheumatoid arthritis, and it's an untapped area of information that rarely if ever gets discussed and that is around dental or oral hygiene. So my guest Robert joins us from California today. He is a very high profile photographer who flies around the world and does some, you know, photo shoots uh, at a very high level. And he and I spoke a year ago or a little more about his situation and I take no credit for the direction from which it went from there, because he found some studies around oral hygiene and the way in which the certain bacteria that can exist in our mouth can influence the peptides or the small style proteins uh, in our body and can aggravate or even cause rheumatoid arthritis. And he's going to share with us today the way in which he went about improving dramatically the health of his gums and the way in which that incredibly resolved the symptoms of his rheumatoid arthritis. And so, Robert, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate everything you do and um, happy to share the story and hope it helps some people. I think it will. You know, I think it will dramatically uh open up people's minds to a new possible path that they can explore. And whilst people might not get the same life-changing results that you got, they may see improvements if they go about improving their oral hygiene. So before we get into the science behind the connection uh, with the bacteria in the mouth and rheumatoid arthritis, uh, and before we get into how you actually went about resolving your bad oral health. Let's wind back and talk about, you know, the situation you're in prior to going through these procedures and so forth. Tell us about your diagnosis and the sort of uh, medication path that you were looking at going on. Okay. Well, I had been, I had been on the road actually when I discovered these symptoms. Um, I was in, in uh, Asia and um, I was eating a very high protein diet um, some convoluted keto diet, you know, that obviously wasn't right for me. But um, and um, I started noticing these funny feelings in my fingers and toes, and it was odd because this finger would feel funny, and then this corresponding toe on my 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 other foot 
would feel funny the same way, you know, like just achy, weird. And I'm not usually one to let these things go because I'm, I think some of my friends would call me a hypochondriac. And so I went online and tried to figure out what this could possibly be because it just kind of kept getting a little bit worse every few days or so. And um, I, I kept looking and, and every time that I would describe the symptoms to the internet, the internet would tell me it's rheumatoid arthritis. And every time I would see that, I would hope that it wasn't because um, the more that I read about it, the more that it was the last thing that I would want to be diagnosed with. Um, the Online, the prognosis is very grim. And as you know, I mean, it's, it's all out there. And um, so I wasn't uh, entirely happy with that. And uh, when I got back home, things progressively kept getting worse. And uh, about 15 or 20 years ago, I started running my own blood test before I would actually go see doctors just so that I would at least have some kind of a handle on what might possibly be wrong with me. And so I, I found out that there were these tests that you could take for rheumatoid arthritis. And, and the most definitive one that I found was the anti-CCP test, which was um, by all accounts, it had very low false positive rates. And I thought maybe I should take this, you know? And so I took it and I figured it would probably come back negative and I was all wrong. Um, unfortunately, it came back very positive. In fact, it was in the hundreds, so it was quite high. And um, then I kept I studied the test and I started looking online to see if there was anything that I was doing that might have caused a false positive on the test or anything like that. Any, nothing. So I figured it's a very high likelihood that I might have this RA. And um, where I was living at the time, there were no rheumatologists that were recommended to me just by reputation or by patient reviews or anything. So I, I, I founded a rheumatologist in Santa Monica, California, who was highly recommended. And I went and saw him and he did a whole battery of other tests and he saw the anti-CCP test and did his own. And his came back just as high as the other one. And he said, right now I'm going to say that you have RA, um, even though we did scans on your fingers and your hands and didn't find any damage or anything, which is good. But I asked him, is there anything I can do? And he said, no, there's nothing you can do. And I said, is there anything you can do? And he said, no, there's nothing I can do either. And it just, um, this doesn't ring very well with me when people tell me things like this, where they say things like, there's nothing you can do. So I, I was very dejected and I, um, and I, and all he wanted to do was basically put me on the drugs when things got worse. And I, I, I studied the drugs and there's a, the drugs companies, I think, give you the sense that there's some kind of curative aspect to them where they, they think if you don't take this, you're going to get worse faster. Um, like there's some kind of delay process or that is it, is this in your experience too, that, that, that do? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, you know, they allowed to use marketing techniques that are successful, right? So if we, I think that thinking about the future is one of the most powerful ways to influence a buyer uh, who, especially with someone with an autoimmune condition, if you say you're going to be worse in the future and where will you be in one year or five years from now, we do tend to go towards worst case and that's very frightening and then we will tend to take action. And to be on the flip side of that, I think 
that it's fairly well known that the studies show that, you know, these drugs do tend to provide better outcomes than uncontrolled disease where people don't know anything about what they're doing and they're not exercising and they're eating poorly. You know, you're going to do better. But yes, that's right. There is a, there's definitely a, um, it seemed like a scare tactic to me. Well, yeah, for sure. That was a route that, that I did not want to go unless I really got desperate and had to. And that's when I found your program. And um, I um, adopted your program probably in about January, late January, early February of last year. And um, the first thing I did was, um, I think one of your recommendations was basically to just fast for two or three days. And I tried that. And I felt better. I probably, I, I would say, you know, right out of the box, I probably felt maybe 50% better. You know, just everything sort of seemed to quiet down. And um, I stayed on your program for a month, month and a half, two months. But while I was doing it, I was studying more and more about kind of, you know, this whole idea that there's no cure for this. and I, I didn't know where I was going with it. I was I was literally listening to a podcast that was 45 minutes long after hundreds of other podcasts. <laughs> and I was falling asleep listening to this podcast, like nodding off. Can I just interrupt and say it yeah. wasn't one of mine? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the guy that, that, had, that was doing it should not take offense either because ultimately – uh, what, what he said woke me up immediately um, because he said something like, you know, it's been known that or it's known now or something that this pathogen in your um, your oral um, mucosa called P. gingivalis causes this process of the citrullination of these enzymes in your mouth that, that eventually leads to molecular mimicry in your joints and causes rheumatoid arthritis. He said it right there on the podcast. And I thought, people make a lot of claims, but I'm going to latch onto this and I don't know why, but it, it rang true with me because I have horrible, at that time, oral hygiene. I just never, I just, it just never stuck with me. And um, when I go to dentists, they, they all marvel at my mouth and, you know, order their next yacht, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, why don't I yeah. jump in at this part of the story and um, tell folks what podcast that was in case they'd like to listen to it. And what sure. I've done is I've actually gone to the liberty of having the portion that you're quoting here or referencing transcribed, and I've paraphrased it just a little bit. And I'm going to read that out. So we sort of save people having to go off and, and check out this video um, because mm -hmm. also, as he said, it's very long, and the portion that we're talking about here is towards, you know, the 40-minute mark or something. But th this topic, as you said, it's about the concept, when, when we go to get our blood tested for diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, we have our rheumatoid factor measured, mm -hmm. and we have our anti-CCP markers done, just as you mentioned before, that yours were highly elevated. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, Here's what Dr. David Brady said on the microbiota and auto disease episode on the Rational Wellness Podcast, episode number 41, which can be found on YouTube. He said, if you have bad oral hygiene, 
and you have overgrowth of P. gingivalis, which is the most common organism to cause gum disease or periodontal disease. We know that P. gingivalis produces an enzyme which actually will citrullinate host peptides. Now, let me stop there because it's gotten technical at the end. That's, that's probably over the head of most of us. And I had to research this myself, which is why I feel that probably is the case. So citrullinate turns out to basically mean chop or change or amend or adjust. Mm. And host peptides, host means us. Okay, so we're the host of these peptides. And a peptide is just a small cluster of amino acids. So if we remember that amino acids make up proteins and all proteins have these building blocks of amino acids, but a peptide is like a mini protein. It only has between two or three, I forget what my notes here, two, yeah, between two and 50 amino acids in a chain. Once, once we have more than 50 amino acids in a chain, we're no longer a peptide and we become a protein. So that's what's going on there. So just to back up, so he says, we know that P. gingivalis, again, one of the most common organisms to cause gum disease, produces an enzyme which will actually citrullinate host peptides or break down the structure of our small style proteins called peptides. So it modifies argin, argininine, ar, sorry, argininine, argininine. I've never said that out loud. I've only read it. It's one of the, when you buy it, it's L-argininine. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know how to pronounce that better than me? I don't know. I think it's arginine, but it's, arginine. does it have another nine in it? It does. Let's go with yeah. arginine. Okay. okay, I've been saying it wrong all, all along anyway. So. Right, arginine. So you bought, normally it comes in supplement that's L-arginine. Okay, so that is a, uh, so it modifies that particular amino acid on host proteins and citrullinates them and makes them no longer your own structure. Mm-hmm. So then they look foreign to the immune system and the proteins that they citrullinate are things like collagen, vimentin, fibrinogen, and all the things that make up the semantic structures of joints. So you're really susceptible to developing autoimmune arthritis like rheumatoid arthritis, and that's why diagnostically the blood test includes rheumatoid factor, but also the anti-cyclic citrullinated peptide test or anti-CCP test. And he says, well, what's creating the citrullination of these peptides? That has been understood for a while. We're now finding it out to be the organism, this P. gingivalis, growing Mm -hmm. in the mouth, creating this enzyme, and that is facilitating the protein modification. I'm glad you figured that out. <laughs> and and when you heard this, as you were, oh, oh, when right. I heard it, it rang true because mm. of my poor dental health. And um, it sounded like something that actually, you know, if I used my kind of junk science mind it, in, in logic, you figure, well, if you get rid of that, does that get rid of the disease? And I had never seen that written anywhere. And I, I took it and I ended up scouring the internet for studies that were done um, on, on anything related to that. And I did find them, but they were very small studies um, that were done on like 10 or 12 people, maybe back in the 90s. And um, they, they were people that had rheumatoid arthritis 
And the studies claim that a lot of people that have RA, especially at my age, which is 62, have concurrently poor oral hygiene or uh, periodontal health. And uh, so they found these people that had both and they they did this very invasive uh, procedure on them called root planing and scaling, which is where they actually go under your gums because P. gingivalis is very hard to get rid of. This is another thing that I found out. It's not something you just take a drug for. Antibiotics are, are uh, unfortunately, it's very resistant to antibiotics. And as you know, antibiotics are not a good thing to be taking when you have an autoimmune disease anyway. And so I was trying to figure out how people get rid of it, first of all. So that procedure is one of the ways that, that they do it. And they did it on those people and the test results were very promising, but the studies were not, they were not continued or they said that they needed to be continued to, to come up with a bigger sampling of people to actually make a statement and make that connection between that one thing and the other thing, which is the, the, the um, P. gingivalis and then, and then reducing it in the oral um, mucosa uh, to the point where it actually had a positive effect on, on the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. So I couldn't find any studies that were done after that time period. And uh, I will go back and try to find those studies again so that your readers, uh, your viewers can, can, can reference them. They're not easy to find though. But from that, I ended up just saying to myself, how do I find out if I have this P. gingivalis? And what you're about to go into is the most interesting part yet. But you did send me a study from 2014, which we will, let's go over that after we hear your experience now with how you got rid of your gum disease. And I will read it, just portions of it out, because it matches exactly your experience that you're about to describe. Okay. Yeah, I, I took a, a an, what's the, it's called an oral DNA test, and from all from what I can tell, it's it hasn't been out for for more than one or two years, and it tests for eleven different pathogens in your mouth, and it's a very it's a thirty second test that you take. You have to go to a dentist to take it, and it's two hundred dollars, and you can order it yourself and have a dentist administer it, and when you get the results back, it's six pages of data and advice and and taking these pathogens and, and assigning them different disease states, such as heart disease. And there's a whole can of worms besides rheumatoid arthritis about this that I won't go into. Um, but there are other levels of inflammation that are being found out that are coming from your mouth as well. Anyway, of the 11 pathogens, uh, I was above the therapeutic threshold in nine of them. And P. gingivalis was off the charts, so high, I don't even know if it was measurable. And on the test itself, it says, this is how you try to control P. gingivalis because it's not easy to get rid of. It's what they call a biofilm, and it really does literally stick to your, your gums. And also on the test, they take these different pathogens and they assign different diseases to them. And it says right on the test, P. gingivalis causes rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. That's what it says. Mm -hmm. I know you showed me, you showed me the results and it's a very, yeah. very interesting uh, results page that's provided. You'll give us the link to this particular website that you use to go and get this test done. 
uh, in a yeah. moment, and we'll post it on the show notes so people can go to the rheumatoidsolutions.com post yeah. for this episode and get all of the information we're sharing here and links and everything. Right. So the, the, the thing that they recommended the most was this mechanical thing that I mentioned before, which is this root planing and scaling, which is a, a very invasive procedure that for each quadrant of your mouth, it's two and a half hours in a chair. And as you can imagine, it's, you know, a ball of fun. Um, and you, and did, you went ahead and did this? Well, I, I went to a dentist that my wife had gone to, and I didn't go to a holistic dentist. I went to a regular dentist because this dentist, according to my wife, was the most kind of thorough dentist that she's ever been to. And, you know, when she saw me, uh, you know, again, she's seeing yachts. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. <laughs> because she said, you know, you don't just have that problem. You have other problems. But we know about inflammation. Believe it or not, she made the connection, too. And she said, we've been talking to doctors about this for years, and there's not a whole lot of response from the other side. Don't ask me why. Um, but um, she said, well, well, this will take care of that problem as well. And I said, well, the first thing I want to do is this root planing. And she said, well, if you want to do that, that's fine. And um, I said, well, I really don't want to do it, but I will. Tell us, tell us about the experience. Tell us what, how they go about it. Whether yeah. or not how what how you are sort of medicated prior to the treatment and why sure. it takes so long. Yeah, well, once you see a dentist, then then they the person that actually does this is a is a hygienist. And this girl that I saw was she's very young, and I thought you know, if I tell her about this inflammation thing, she'd probably just say okay, whatever. She actually knew all about it too, and she knew more about it, I think, than maybe my dentist did, but. She knew at least as much. And that was very encouraging because she said, I've seen people come not just with your issues, but with other issues. And they've actually come out of the chair. You know, they've come back to us feeling better. And I thought, OK, that's interesting. So I went ahead and did the first quadrant thing, which is you know two and a half hours. And um, they give you like three or four injections of this numbing stuff. And, and um, you're, you're in the chair for a long time. And, and it's not really painful. It's extremely uncomfortable and just being there that long anyway. Um, and they, they literally go under your gums and they, they, they're using these abrading tools to get rid of this pathogen, you know, not just P. gingivalis, but other things that, you know, that are in the, a, a result of, of, of poor dental health. And so some people, I guess, have a lot of pain afterwards. I didn't have a lot of pain afterwards when the numbing stuff wore off. But after about three days, um, I wasn't thinking about anything, but I just thought to myself, do I feel better? Like, do I feel less symptomatic in terms of the RA? And I thought I did, but I thought I'm probably just convincing myself that it, it is better. And, and, and it was very subtle, whatever it was. So um, I was supposed to be scheduled to do another quadrant thing. You know, and lo and behold, like a, a, a patient had canceled and gleefully, my, my dentist uh, office called me and said, gee, you know, you could come in and do all three quadrants at once. And I thought, wow, what could be more fun than that? And uh, <laughs> so so I went in and I did it. I went for the whole 
nine yards and they did nine injections of, of, of numbing stuff it didn't actually wear off until the next day which mm-hmm. i never i thought i thought i thought it was not going to wear off and um it was it was a it was a horrible you know six hours or whatever it was you know i can't i can't say it was it was great but you know no pain no gain again i, I waited another few days and and uh Almost not not overnight, but probably within a day or two, um, my symptoms had gone down 80%, I would say, at least. Like, almost nothing I was feeling. And uh, believe me, I was pretty encouraged by that. So um, that was probably around April, no, it was May, I think it was May and June of, of last year. And uh, that held pretty much that way with the advent of my also taking much more care of my teeth and getting a water pick, getting flossing stuff, getting, uh, there's a specific brand of rinse called Closis. It's C-L-O-Y-S or C-L-O-S-Y-S um, that is especially good for this problem. And also, they make a toothpaste. And so I've been doing these five different things every day, you know, at least twice a day um, since that time. And that 80% less symptomatic held true until December of just this December. And then I went to see the dentist because she wanted to do all this other work and she wanted to start in on it. And the first thing she did was replace these crowns. And she said, you know, under these crowns, you can also harbor this inflammation. And it's not just, you know, because we can't get to it. Once you have a crown put over something, there's all kinds of stuff that happens underneath it. And you can't even get to it yourself. And so she replaced these crowns. And um, starting probably around the 20th of December or so, I I was 100% symptom free. And I've been that way since to this day. Um, And I still have more work to do. But in the interim, I also asked her to do another oral DNA test. And I just got that back about two weeks ago. And the pigeon Javalis was a third of what it was before. Some of the pathogens were undetectable, where they had been completely like 10 copies, fold, whatever they use for, for DNA testing. So obviously, the, these levels have, have gone down considerably. But I also ran another anti-CCP test, and it's now 12, where it was 141 the last time I took the test. God. So what can I say? Yeah, exactly. I was going to use the word speechless because, you know, if ever there was a situation where people should sit up and pay attention, it's, it's this. Now, I know that you talked about some particular products, and I'd like you to... Um, just go through those a little bit more detail. I'm sure people who are listening to this say, well, you know, this is fascinating. I really now want to get to the dentist. I really want to run a, 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 a an oral DNA test to find out whether or not I've got all this um, bad bacteria in my mouth. I have a couple small caveat theories and yep. they're, they're just theories and that I don't know if this is your experience, but from what I, all of the things that I've read and I've spent many hundreds of hours online and I don't know, know if I'm reading the right things or not, but from what I can tell, RA starts for different reasons with different people. Do you think that that's the case? Where I was going to go yeah. with that is 
not everyone is going to, even if they went through the same experience you did with the gum cleaning, going to have the same kind of resolution. And therefore, I completely agree. Will everyone have a contribution to their inflammation from P. gingivalis? No one knows. But should we try and have the best possible oral hygiene that we can based on what we have seen from your experience being an extreme case? Absolutely. Well, according to what David Brady said, everybody has P. gingivalis in their mouth. It's just that people have different levels of it. And obviously I had extreme levels of it. But my my theory kind of coincides with my age and also my dental health history. My age being 62 and the fact that people, you know, of advancing age have worse dental hygiene generally, not not hygiene per se, but their their oral health declines because with everything else, you know, your bone structure and things like that, just they, you know, they start to deteriorate. And so I, I don't know how much of that is related because that that one study that I found on that one guy that I think I don't know if you mentioned. Yeah, I have it in front of me. He's he's exactly my age as well. And so I don't know if it's age related because when I started feeling these symptoms of RA, they sounded different for me than they sounded maybe for you. I thought yours was more acute. Did it happen? Absolutely. Mine Mine was acute, acute, very aggressive, very quick development. In 20s or 30s or 31, 31. And, and mine was more, more slow and insidious. And, and um, that's what they call, from what I can tell, that's what they call late onset, mm. meaning that it's something that starts you know, later in life and, um, and it has a different kind of um, step of, of uh, starts you know, from starting to, to manifesting itself. Mm. So I don't know how much of that is, is, um, applies I can tell you that everyone who is learning about this right now is going to be more interested in their in what's going on in their mouth. There's no doubt about it. When I when you were telling me this stuff on email and just said, "Hey, Clint, by the way," and it was so casual, you just say, "Oh, by the way, this is what I did, and now I have no detectable symptoms. I have I can't feel any inflammation in my joints, and this is what I did." Like my eyes were popping out of my computer because, you know, I followed the links. I went and watched that interview that you, you talked about on the, the, the one with Dr. David Brady. I read the, uh, the study that I'm about to, you know, just reference right now. And I thought, this is, this is fascinating stuff. And, you know, it's taken me a while to get you on the podcast, but I'm glad I was persistent because it's so valuable. And whether or not people can get dramatic or mild results by being more uh by paying more attention to their oral health every little bit helps and so this is a wonderful discussion to have i think i was casual about it because i didn't want it to come off like i like it was some sensational thing you know like it, it was something that was that i was inflating or or that i was trying to make money on or anything like that it's, uh, i have no vested interest in any of this as far as you know a future and curing people of, of anything. Um, but um, I do want this information to get out there because I want other people to realize a benefit when they can. Mm. Yeah. 
And and so do I. As I said just before we hit record on this, and I think audience can tell, I'm just so excited by this. I just think this is absolutely the most awesome stuff to share. So a study that gives a report of an almost identical scenario as Robert's is published in the Journal of Medicine, and Robert found and shared this with me, and it's December 2014, Volume 93, Issue 27, uh, page, oh, E-Page 195. But the title of the article is Could Early Rheumatoid Arthritis Resolve After Periodontist Treatment Only? And the author is Salimi and others. And let's have a look at uh, just the sentence that I've highlighted out of the abstract. After its treatment, arthritis remission has been observed in the absence of specific RA therapy. Once again, arthritis remission. So this person, who's a 61-year-old male patient, presented with migrant arthritis associated with antibodies, so he's got uh, anti-CCP elevation, and then has gone through the same treatment, and it said this could be explained by the enzymatic action of P. gingivalis, probably leading to break tolerance to collagen, so meaning the body tolerates its own collagen, but then it breaks out or becomes rebellious against it um, as a result of the enzymatic action of this citrullination process that we talked about earlier. So, yeah, and that's been published. That was 2014. So mm-hmm. we've so yours, your situation could have been published also, and it could have been almost this exact case. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really <laughs> monitored by anybody with a degree. Right? <laughs> yeah. But um, I think, uh, you know, hopefully this will reach more people than, than this study did, because, uh, you know, as I said, like this stuff's just not talked about very much. This is a, this is, um, you know, a, a new area of discussion for the rheumatoid arthritis community, and hopefully it becomes a, a regular discussion from this point on. So I do feel whilst your humility levels are remarkable, um, you know, you've done something that's very, very valuable. And whilst I know that you don't seek for any kind of recognition or, 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 or anything further from it, just sharing this has been fabulous, and I appreciate that very much. Well, I, I think just having it work on yourself, first of all, is is a reward in itself. And uh, and and seeing it uh, published, you know, in, in another case as well, and and some other, there's some other more recent articles in 2014 that just talk in general about oral health and not just RA, but other forms of inflammation and other bad stuff like cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Um, they're drawing all these parallels now that they were not before, you know, and so it's it's a fairly uh, recent uh, revelation. Mm. You mentioned Closis. That's a brand name of a particular mouthwash product that I went and bought after you told me that that was one of the recommendations for anti-P gingivalis. So it's a it's a mouthwash, as you said. The Closis brand also have a toothpaste that uh, that uh, I also have still some here after we. Uh, we're in contact. The pick, I don't know what that is. I know they use them at dentists. What is this pick that you have? Uh, well, a water pick is, uh, it's basically just, um, it's a, it can be a rubber nozzle or it can be a hard nozzle, but it's a very fine nozzle 
that you use around your gums to basically blow out food particles and plaque and other things. And it, it uses a fair, fair amount of pressure. And it, it's not painful, but um, they, they highly recommend it when they talk about, you know, especially people with deep pockets, which is where they measure the pockets in your gums. And my pockets were, when I first went to the dentist, they were in the sixes and sevens, and now they're in the threes and fours, which is a market improvement. It still could be better, but it's, it's considerably better than it was before. Um, and I, I also have a portable water pick that I travel with. Um, it's just a small, it looks almost like a portable toothbrush, except it's, it has a reservoir for water and it just charges, you know, up and you use it, it holds 30 seconds of worth of water in and um, it does exactly the same thing as the one that you might have at home. Um, and these are not real expensive devices. I mean, I think you can buy one for about $50 or something. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think that that and, and the flossing and the, the mouth rinse stuff. Um, there's other, there's other things that they mention on the oral DNA test. Like there's a, there's a thing that used to be an ingredient in mouthwash, which no longer is for some reason called chlorhexidine. And my dentist does not advocate that for some reason. Um, and I can't remember why she also does not advocate using antibiotics. However, right on the test, it says, uh, here's another thing you can do, which is Take a probiotic and open the capsule and swish it around in your mouth. And apparently this has some kind of effect on these pathogens. And I was not only told that by that test, but a person that I had been talking to about RA who had has RA and has had it for many, many years um, told me about this as well. And I don't know exactly what part of the conversation she mentioned it, but it, it didn't click with me anything about oral health. It was just, yeah, if you have a probiotic, you should try to put it in your mouth and swish it around. I'm like, okay, mm. you know, why don't I just swallow it? <laughs> well, it didn't, it but, didn't click with me that you're yeah. actually putting this right on your, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I, I first heard about this after I'd already intuitively had this concept on someone else's podcast. Uh, I was on the Ben Greenfield Fitness podcast blog and one of his podcasts that he does a a morning routine oral routine where he does a uh, oil pulling you may have heard of oil pulling in the past yeah popular with you know late stage cancer patients to try and you know elongate life is where i've it's the circles that i've heard about it in the past uh, and then he would empty as you said like a probiotic capsule into his mouth and my uh my first thoughts about this is that the, the the bacteria in our mouth typically aren't a carbon copy of the sort of bacteria we have in our digestive tract. And so I researched the sort of bacteria that's meant to proliferate in our mouth, and they are different sorts of strains of bacteria. And I ordered and have run out of a probiotic that I was using in my mouth um, mm. with specific salivaris strange similar sounding to saliva and yeah you, i think you can also explore this path as well and put probiotics in your mouth uh the current probiotic that i use is one of the classic you know uh, bifidobacteria lactobacillus kind of mixture of strains and mm. whilst i was happily swishing with that for some time you know, it always did cross my mind that I don't know if these strains necessarily should be in my mouth and whether or not 
this is something that's directly beneficial or just really uh, missing the point. So yeah, I mean, do we need to know? Well, we'd, we'd, we'd love to know the sort of right... Uh, well, let me go on to say that when you try and buy oral, oral bacteria for uh, probiotics, they don't come in really broad spectrum the way that the ones we take for our gut do. You don't get 8, 16 strains. It's like mm. one or two strains. And also that doesn't sit well with me either because it's just so unnatural to have a huge ecosystem of microbes and then only supplement one in an enormous quantity. It just doesn't also sit well with me. But what I like to do above all is to make sure that I finish my meal with a big mouthful of leafy greens. And so the last thing that's all over my teeth as I kind of, you know, play the mop-up game with the tongue and the saliva for the next half an hour is... Mm -hmm. um is something that is going to be at least not sugary because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that, if, if anything, can be certainly uh, agreed upon as counterproductive as leaving a lot of sugar on the teeth. So well, I like I'm wrong. I actually, I start with the big salad thing and, you know, go from there. So maybe I should switch oh, it off. No, no, it's all good. As long as, well, at least in my opinion, as long as the last couple of bites that you have can be, if possible, some leafy greens. I think that's also a great place to leave off your meal. Just in terms of the, the, the food that you're leaving, the microbes at the end of the meal that's sitting around the most. Right. Yeah. Now, did, you, did you do an oral DNA test? I didn't, and you've piqued my interest to go and get it done again. I didn't have a dentist here in Florida at the time when you and I spoke. Now I have a dentist. I went and had a clean and she had a look in my mouth and she saw no evidence of periodontal or gum disease. And so I'm like, oh, that's cool. But of course, I would like to know more and I'd like to know what my levels of P. gingivalis are. And we um, will definitely share that link to the test company that you used on the um, show notes of this episode. And yeah, I mean, I'm only just a click of a button away from actually doing it. And I think I might, you know, I think I'd like to know. Yeah. It, it, you know, even if they can't find anything, you know, physically wrong, there's a possibility that maybe yeah, it's... It, it still could be there. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I love how you married up the connection between your levels of that bacteria in the DNA test to the anti-CCP levels. And I think that that is just fascinating. And uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, from all of the the stuff that I started listening to or paying attention to when this all started, um, where everybody said, once you take the anti-CCP test, it'll always be the same number. It'll never go down. Doctor, the the rheumatologist told me that. Um, And I thought, something... Just I actually have that in writing from a, from a lab, from a rheumatologist uh, who's written the notes on a female's lab report that mm-hmm. says, do not need to measure this test ever again. This marker will always be elevated. And I have yeah. that written by a rheumatologist on a lab report of a female who only sent me her labs last week, who's a new member of our rheumatoid support group. And I actually saw that and I'm like, that's wrong. 
I mean, it's not well, I, actually no. There was a podcast that you had a um, yep a woman on. She was yep. a young young woman from California, mm-hmm. like around um, Riverside or Moreno Valley or somewhere around there, and she had um, done your 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 diet and uh, um, her CCP levels went way down. Normalized yeah, back into the normal this. range. Yeah, yeah, like like almost in the normal range or back in the normal range or that, something. I, I've yep. No, hers if we if if we're talking about the same person went into normal range and I've absolutely seen some people get their anti CCPs from elevation into normal range. She had a she had a, a taste for Mexican food, I remember <laughs> that. She her her diet was sort of skewed with a lot of avocado and tomatoes. Right. And, it sounded really good, so yeah. that's why. Yeah. But then she said that, and she said that that was the last thing she showed her her rheumatologist on her her visit when she she that's had. It. I, I took the test again, and I I can't remember what the reaction was from the doctor, but I think it was some somewhat baffled. Baffled, know, like, yeah. yeah, baffled. Yeah. I do want to add that it's not common. It's 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 very uncommon, even with folks who you know get their C-reactive protein normal, feel great, asymptomatic. Uh, it's still uncommon for it, mm-hmm. very uncommon for it to go anti-CCP back to normal. And maybe, maybe it's because of the things that we've covered or some of the things we've covered today. And maybe a factor is this P. gingivalis, which is extremely hard to get rid of completely from the mouth. And if P. Mm-hmm. gingivalis is a contributing factor towards the autoimmunity activity, then maybe that's why. Right. You know, because I mean, is 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 um is the leaky gut thing, or you know, I'm not saying it right, maybe, but that that whole side of things is that somehow unrelated to this, and and a completely different mechanism mechanism to to start mm. this disease state. Um, you know, is it something else entirely or, or is it somehow related or, you know? I think that at like every comment at the end of every publication says this needs to be investigated further. I'm going to run with that disclaimer on that question. Right. It, you know, it's obviously complicated, but my initial thoughts on this, which may change over the years, is that these may actually be two different contributing factors and we may have P. gingivalis doing its thing, being housed in the mouth, and we may have this other activity that's occurring on a, at a localized level inside the joints and the attack of the immune system to mm-hmm. eliminate these polysaccharides, these bacteria proteins themselves in the joints, therefore causing free radicals to be released at the, at the joint and cellular level, which therefore you know, in turn create some oxidative stress and deterioration of the surrounding tissue, I think could be a different issue than the one we've described and or heard from you today. Okay. But, you know, the bacteria, it's translocational. Can the bacteria can end bacteria in the mouth can end up anywhere in the body. Yeah. Right. So, so I think uh, that's the point that they were trying to make is that this is fairly profound, and it's something again that's not been talked about a lot. Um, mm. That you know, it's certainly not something I think that a doctor is going to. Because I, when I came back to to my you know, from California, 
to see some local doctors about this, none of them had anything good to say about what was going to happen with me. You know, it's all you're going to be on these drugs, and there's not much else we can say. You know, uh, so they they didn't have it. They certainly weren't going to say something about. Gee, let's check out your oral hygiene. Yeah. And yeah, well, I'm glad you did. That's for sure. I am too. I'm glad I was still awake for that little bit of that podcast. <laughs> well, I think we've come to the end of our discussion. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Was there anything that we missed or you feel like would be really uh, crucial for us to add before we wrap it up? No, but I, I, I thank you for, for putting it in my head that, that, that this was not um, only going to go one way. You know, and uh, sometimes you just need that little bit of hope, you know, and I think that's kept me going, you know, and um, told me that, you know, there's there might be something out there. Mm. There's always another rock to turn over, right? Always. There's always another rock to look under. Yeah. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for sharing today, Robert. It's been absolutely uh so enjoyable to cover this material because it's new. And you can imagine a lot of the stuff that uh, I talk about with other guests is similar variations of, of, of what other people have achieved or accomplished. But what you've done is fresh. It's new, uh, at least for me and for, for my audience. And uh, for that, we're very grateful. And uh, if I ever need some uh, extremely uh, high-quality professional photos done, I'll be in touch too. Great. <laughs> So, are you? Um, do you uh, do any private stuff, or is it all company corporate work? Um, I got into this uh, as a college student a long, long time ago, kind of out of desperation because I was changing my major a few times, and I ended up having to take a class in photography. They were actually forcing me to take it because I was a journalism major at the time, and so I got into it sort of just completely without any interest in it at all. And the professor that happened to be teaching the class took the first photograph that I did for him and sent it into a competition of 40,000 students. And I came in eighth place or something. And he said, you know, this is something you might want to pursue. Like, I think you can do this. And I thought, well, I have nothing else I can do, so I might as well do this. (laughs) And honestly, it was not like this thing that I've always had this lifelong hobby passion for as a kid or anything like that. It was it was basically, I'm going to latch on to this because somebody said I might be able to do it. And I got into it for that reason. Now, that's not why, that's not the reward that I get out of it now, but it's, um, I got into it f- from a commercial standpoint, from an advertising standpoint. And so all of the stuff that I've done, you know, for work has been very much commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I do have an interest in fine art and and um, and work that's done for not for commercial reasons at all. But it's not it's not something that I, I showed other people really. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad now that with your much improved health, you'll be able to continue to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I, I, I really um, I'm glad about that, too, because uh, it's a very physical thing, actually. And uh it could have been compromised a bit. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much, Robert. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. 
If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.